Today on CityCast Chicago, a controversial practice in Illinois schools is finally being reined in. A new law will restrict so-called quiet rooms, which have been used for years to isolate students as a form of punishment, many of those kids having disabilities. As for whether or not there's a strong likelihood of good enforcement, I don't know. We talk with the reporters who brought this harsh practice into light. Today is Wednesday, June 2nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, a little bit of news, y'all. Lawmakers did eventually pass a few more bills, the big one being a $42 billion state budget. And unlike other states, Illinois is actually trying to make voting a little more accessible. A new law makes curbside voting permanent, creates polling places in certain jails, and even makes Election Day a holiday as it was in 2020. Yesterday, while many of us were getting late into our evening, state lawmakers passed a bill to start the process to create a 21-seat fully elected school board in Chicago by 2027. Now, the House and the governor still have to approve it, but it's looking like Chicago is closer than ever to his first ever fully elected school board. In other news, Chicago's public health lead, Dr. Allison Arwoody, says everything is heading in the right direction. Hospital admittance and diagnosed cases are declining. And for the first time, the city has cleared all states and territories from its travel quarantine or demeaning friends. You don't have to show proof of vaccination or a negative test. Some good news. At 10 a.m., the mayor will break ground on the AIDS Garden Chicago. In a statement, the city says it's the first public park to memorialize the early days of Chicago's HIV epidemic and to honor those who continue to fight the disease today. Remember, for more Chicago stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. One of the many bills state lawmakers just passed was a plan to phase out so-called quiet rooms in schools and limits to how staff can isolate or restrain students as punishment. The law is about 18 months in the making after a joint investigation from the Chicago Tribune and ProPublica Illinois found that schools were secluding and restraining kids illegally a lot. The Trib's Jennifer Smith Richards and ProPublica's Jody Cohen have been on this story from the beginning. Jennifer, Jody, how are you all doing today? Great. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you so much. You know, I grew up being put in the hallway for talking back or going to detention. How are these quiet rooms different from sort of the normal seclusion and isolation practices that we've seen in schools for, I'm sure, you know, even in your own childhoods? Jennifer? Right. Most of us are familiar with the concept of a timeout. Maybe, you know, you need a second away from the classroom to um, to calm down. Maybe you're upset about something, you're having a bad day. What makes seclusion different is that it's a forcible removal of a child. You know, kids get really upset and feel confined in these very um, small closet-like spaces that often, in Illinois anyway, had doors and some of them uh, were lockable. And so the child would be put inside this room, the door shut and locked and left there until they could calm themselves down. Sometimes there would be a school worker would stand outside the room and hold a button to keep 
the child in the room, like a magnetic locking system. So these rooms were not just a classroom that, you know, you go for in-school suspension or detention. This was like a specifically designed room to isolate students away from their classmates, away from the school at large. And sometimes they would be in them for hours, um, not allowed to leave to go to the bathroom or um, to go to recess. Some schools called it serving time. That was the phrase they would use. And sometimes if school ended, sometimes students would stay there beyond school, but also they would start the next day in the seclusion room. So what is the experience like when they're in these rooms? They're generally isolated away. Um, Sometimes they would be given work to, to do inside, but often we would read these reports where students were very upset in the room, sometimes, you know, scratching the walls to, to, you know, in frustration, trying to get out, screaming, asking for their parents. It was not uncommon for us to um, read instances where a child had wet themselves, where a child had defecated in the room, either out of fear or anger or just generally being an upset kid. You know, it was really traumatic for a lot of the kids who experienced seclusion. Um, And some of them experienced it day after day, week after week. And after the stories we ran, we heard from former students who were secluded years and years ago, like sometimes decades ago, who talked about the trauma that the lasting trauma of being in those spaces, um, even Representative Jonathan Carroll, who sponsored the House legislation, he has spoken about how he was secluded as a child and the lasting trauma that that has had on him. I want to look at this law that was just passed, you know, 18 months in negotiation. Jennifer, what exactly does this new law do? Right. So to understand the new law, it's good to know that there already was a law in the books in Illinois that was supposed to be restrictive in the way that you could use seclusion and restraint and was supposed to be protective of kids. It also told schools that they were only to be using seclusion and restraint if there was a safety issue. People interpreted that in many different ways. This new law is much clearer about when you can use any sort of timeout or physical restraint, and it limits it to there being an immediate uh, physical threat, um, either for the, the student, other students, or staff. And that's a really big change. That's substantial. Is there an example of an immediate physical threat in which a physical restraint or seclusion room can be implemented? I think one of the examples that schools have actually used in talking to us about the need for restraint in general is if your child was darting from the school building and getting ready to run into traffic, wouldn't you want us to place our hands on that child and stop them from getting hurt? I think another example is um, a student who self-harms. I think that schools want to have the ability to stop that imminent threat. But the biggest change is that this law is going to ban prone restraint, which is restraint that takes place on the floor where the student is face down. It's a type of restraint that um, is widely regarded as very dangerous because of um, the risk that a student won't be able to breathe. 
a year from now, schools will not be permitted in Illinois to use that type of physical restraint. Jennifer, for a long time, if I'm correct, we didn't know the demographics, the age of the students. What are the students who are being isolated and restrained? What, what do they look like? It's very clear from the data that seclusion and restraint primarily affect students with disabilities. It is some, uh, an intervention that more likely affects boys and more likely affects students of color. You know, how do you feel personally as this law comes out? And do you think that it will ultimately be enforced in a way that puts an end to this or at least reigns this practice in? I think that it is gratifying in general to be able to show, you know, readers that some harm has come to children and to be able to point out wrongdoing and point out things that are unjust. As for whether or not there's a strong likelihood of good enforcement, I don't know. I mean, what we know historically about the Illinois State Board of Education is that it historically has not been a strong enforcer. So now I think we have to sit back and wait and see to what degree, you know, the state acts to protect kids. We read these reports, you know, thousands and thousands of them. There were, all the information was there that the law wasn't being followed and that the practices were being abused, yet nobody else was reading them. So if ISBE now has, you know, the power to sanction schools and, and they have to get these reports, will they read them? Will they go visit that school and see what's going on? Um, because there was a law before. This law is better. This law is stricter. This law reigns in when you can use it, but you can schools can still use it. The Tribune's Jennifer Smith Richards and ProPublica's Jody Cohen. Thank you for joining me on CityCast Chicago today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. By the way, happy Pride, Chicago. I know the parade is in October this year. But we should celebrate our LGBTQ plus community this month and every month. That's our show for Wednesday, June 2nd. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right. I appreciate you as always. Ba-da-ba.